Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Great word. Um, just love his heart. I, I, I watched, went through his sermon this morning in preparation for today just to get a hold of it because I wasn't here. I was at um, New Farm with the team there. And uh, I'm, I'm just sitting there watching it going, God, you're amazing. You know, he, he shared last week that three years ago, he was living on the street. He was a, um, a meth addict. Anybody who knows anything about meth knows how hard it is to break that, you know, that addiction. And, and here he is, three years later, standing here teaching God's word and sharing God's heart for us. And I go, God, you are amazing. And it's the power of Jesus in the lives of people that changes everything. And um, I'm booming a bit here, Andrew. I know you're working on it. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to look at we are um, living sacrifices today, but um, we're, we're doing a series throughout this year, We Are the Church. So uh, you know the, and, and get the idea, this is a building we call church. In fact, I noticed there was a slide, Love Your Church. We didn't mean Love Your Church building. Uh, we meant when you come here, we're working together on a building where we meet. And it's the people inside the building that are the church. We are the church. But we, we get this idea that the building and the service on a Sunday is the church. And we can get into that habit of thinking that. But Jesus has got a much bigger mission for the church than a building and a Sunday service. This is just a gathering of the called out ones. And what we're hearing through your stories is you're, you, you are called by God to become part of his church so that that church would be disciples who are making disciples going throughout the nations of the world and sharing the good news that changed your life. And um, we are the church. We are the church. Can you just say that with me? We are the church. And every one of you is part of the church. Paul called us members or body parts of the church. So we all have a part to play. We all have... A role to play. God's given gifts to all of us to use together when we meet and when we go out together to share his word. But I want to talk to you about from Romans 12. And this is a passage that you probably heard preached on many times. Um, you're going to hear a word next Sunday. Uh, where's Jess? Is Jess here today? Jess is going to share the word. One of our young mums. Awesome. How are you going with your prep, Jess? You excited? Overwhelmed? Oh, don't point at me now. The pressure's on. Um, she's going to talk about sacrificial love, which is very connected to parents and loving well. Um, we're going to talk about living sacrifices today, and so we're just going to dive right in to this. But um, let, let's let's just pray, Lord. We just ask. I uh, thank you for the Apostle Paul. He's my brother. One day I get to meet him. I thank you that the Spirit was at work in him and changed him radically from a Christian killer to one who was called to go outside the Jewish nation and to preach to the Gentiles. And because of him, 
the message reach me, us, today. Wow, that's so good. So I thank you for his heart. Thank you that the spirit is at work in his heart. And as he wrote this from jail, that he, that he was thinking about us and that he, you were working through him so that we would get this message in 2,000 years, that this message would come alive in our hearts as we read it. So Lord, we just pray you breathe afresh on your word and you'd inspire us with revelation, Lord, that we would again capture your heart and the essence of this message for us today uh, because your word is living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, we just pray, Lord, just get us right in the heart, Lord, and move us, Lord, to action, we pray in Jesus' name. So Paul says, um, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So the first 11 chapters of Romans are filled with the stories of mercy and grace. And um, so he, he says, In light of everything I've just written, I, I, in view of that mercy, I want you to do this. I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper or pleasing, in other translations, pleasing worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And um, next week, Brad's going to um, talk about the outworking of the rest of um, uh, where, we take, where we finish off today. So what we're, what we're going to do is we're talking about what it is to live sacrificially. So the first thing that we're going to do, our learning outcomes from today, is I want you to go away and understanding that the mercy and the grace of God begins, it, it happens before we do anything. It's what he has done. That actually is our motivation. It begins with what God has done. Paul says, in light or in view of the mercies of God, he's talking about everything. If you read Romans chapter 1 to 11, it's, it's intense passages about what God has done. Not what we've done. He talks about it's not what you have done. It's by grace you have been saved, through faith. So it begins with what God has done. Second, it's not a have to. But everything that we are called to live for as a Christian is not a have to, but it's an act of free worship. And we're going to talk about worship today. And it requires a transformation, and I've got transformation there, a transformation and renewal of our thinking and our feeling. And that's a secondary part. It's an outcoming of our worship. So let's have a look at this. In view of God's mercy, um, there's... Two words that occur in the book of Romans. One is mercy and the other one is grace. And they're interesting words because they talk about the, the way in which God approaches us. Mercy is you don't get the punishment you deserve. So if you do something wrong and there is a punishment for it, it's like someone says, you don't have to. So uh, let's say that your child... Uh, does something wrong and you send them to, to their room, you go, well, you don't have to do that anymore. It's like you, you say, you deserve that, but I'm not going to send you to your room anymore. It could be that 
someone does a crime and, and they get to, to and you know, um, Simo tells his story that when he was uh, before the judge, he had a rap sheet and he had done things and he deserved X judgment. And we remember praying that, the, that he would receive mercy from the judge. And the, the most exciting thing from that was that he didn't get what he deserved. And he knew it. He, he actually said to, to me prior to him going before that judge, I deserve all this. It, technically, this is how many years I deserve in jail for what I have done. He said, I deserve this. And then we said, but we're praying that God would work through that judge and show you mercy. And he got it. Isn't that a beautifully illustration of, 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 of the mercy where you deserve it, but you don't get it? And grace is the, the similar, but it's different. It says you receive a gift you don't deserve. Has anybody ever given somebody a gift they don't deserve? Has everybody got a gift that you don't deserve? We were actually all recipients of grace because all of us received um, a gift we don't deserve. Uh, I want to tell you a quick testimony from Good Friday. I'm just looking around to see if the person's here. I can't see them. Um, so uh, a really cool thing happened on Good Friday. Pastor Brad shared the word and, then, and asked people to respond to that word. And I was down the front, and I normally stand down the front after church, but on that day, I felt the Lord said, go to the, go to the back and wait at the door and just say goodbye to people. So I went to the back door, and I was saying goodbye to people because that's kind of old-school pastor, <laughs> and, um, and shake everybody's hands. And as I was doing that, a couple, uh, a man, a woman, and a, a teenager came up to me as they were leaving, and they said, uh, the lady said, uh, my name is this, this is my brother and this is my nephew. Um, I asked my brother who lives at Mackenzie, I come from Oxley, I asked him to bring me to church today. My brother's a Christian. She said, um, I, um, everything that happened today was like God talking at me. The whole lot, from the singing to your communion to... The message, everything was God talking to me. And then we got talking and the brother explained where, how he became a Christian. Or he asked me how I become a Christian. I shared. And then I said, well, how did you become a Christian? He shared and he said, I've got to tell you a story. The story is this. that um, uh, I said, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but my dad was a really bad dad and he, he was really bad and unfaithful to my mum and it caused us a lot of pain. And he said, I went to the healing rooms or the prayer, is that prayer, prayer rooms? And, and they were praying for me and someone said, oh, we need to do the Father's Prayer. And he, he's going, oh, I, I just expected them to go, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. But no, they actually prayed for him into his father's, his relationship with his father. And as they're praying for him, he said, I went in there and I hated my dad and, at that, and during that prayer, the hate left and I could love my dad. So she, he shared that and this lady has just, and by the way, I just prayed for this lady because she wanted to give a heart to Jesus. So we're doing that there, right up there. And, she, and I said, do you mind if I pray for you? And she said, yeah, I didn't want to go up the front. I, just, I said, well, let's pray now. She said, yeah, let's go for it. So we prayed right there and and. 
then this guy, her brother has just shared this story and she whacks him on the arm. Why haven't you ever told me that story, she said. <laughs> and then she grabs us from there, drags us into the hallway and says, I need to tell you my story. <laughs> and then she tells us her story that before she was married, um, she hated her dad, but she uh, a guy close to their family become very close and he was going to give her away and then he died and she was broken hearted and she, had, she was at home by herself just sobbing her eyes out going, I, 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 just, I just don't want to, my dad to give me away, I hate him, he's just the worst. And so she was, sort of went to, and she just cried out to God, God just help me and she w- went to sleep and as she was going to sleep she heard God speak to her. You don't, you're not angry with him, you fear him. And then God spoke, so she, she kind of went, oh, okay. She didn't realise it was God. And then the second time, it was like a Samuel thing. You know? And then she went to sleep again and God spoke again and then God spoke to her right at the end and said, um, you'll no longer hate him, you can love him. And from that moment, she was able to love her dad. And we were just talking, wrapping up the conversation and, and I said, you know, none of us deserve God's love. Your dad did not deserve the love from you or from, from God. She goes, no, 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 no. My dad deserves to be loved. I'm going, and the brother goes, no, you don't understand. No, she says, no, I do understand. Yes, I know he doesn't deserve it, but he deserves it. And I said, why does he deserve it? Because he's my dad. You go, there's the love of God. So that happened years ago. Then she heard the same voice coming through everything that happened on Good Friday. She heard God speak to her and it changed her life so that she could love someone that she hated. And then she came on Good Friday to hear the same voice coming through worship, coming through communion, coming through a word, coming through people that spoke to her as she gathered and she felt the love of God again and she wanted to be close to that again. She got grace. She got grace again. And um, you can pray for her because I don't know where she is. Her, her brother's a FIFO, fly in, fly out. And when he gets a chance, he comes here, but he doesn't regularly attend church. And his nephew, his son is the same. Um, pray that they would find a church and they'll become disciples, who become disciple makers. They, they really, truly fall in love with Jesus and Jesus transforms their life fully. So, oh, I'm just going to go back. So, in view of God's mercy, so our life is a, re, a response to the mercy of God. And then Paul says, as a result of the mercy that's poured out and the grace that's poured out on your life, do this. I want you to offer yourselves, your body, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In the Old Testament, Sacrifices had to be, if they were a, a creature, a lamb, a goat, a, a bull, they had to be pure, they had to be spotless, they had to be innocent. Then they had to be killed and then they had to be burnt and they were burnt or eaten. There were sacrifices that were burnt um, that were sin and guilt sacrifices. Others 
were to be eaten. They were meant to be, it becomes a part of you. But Paul uses this really strange phrase. He says, a living sacrifice. Now, he was not talking about human sacrifice. Uh, That was what the pagans used to do. But he's talking about something that didn't have to die, but was alive, but it was still a sacrifice. It was still offered and it was still laid down. And I thought of that and I thought about the closest thing we have to that is probably Isaac, where he didn't get killed, but he was offered as a living sacrifice and he was about to be killed and God pulls Abraham out of that and says, no, I've got another sacrifice. And that's a picture of Jesus, that, that we actually deserve to die um, and, but Jesus, God provides a way and gives his son, his son, instead of our, our life being taken. Offer yourselves body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Romans 6 says uh, something very similar. He says in, Paul, in Romans 6, Paul says, do not offer any part of yourself, your body, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as instruments of righteousness. Um, When Paul says offer your bodies, think about your body as the container where all your life is. It's like this instrument. Everything that you, like your body, your soul, your spirit, they are inseparable. So when he says offer your body, it's not just your body. He's saying everything, offer everything that you are. So when I think about my body, I think of it as a transport, a form of transport for me, but I also think about it as something where everything that I I need comes into me, but I also see my my body as um, a vehicle or an instrument to do things. So um, when I offer my body, I'm offering this thing where Everything I see, everything I hear, everything I smell, everything I eat, everything I consume, everything coming into me, I need to ensure that that, that's good. I want it to be pleasing. I I don't want, I've got to choose what I see, what I hear. I get to to control, to, to most extent, I get to control what I dwell on, what I think about, what I consume. But also, I get to choose what I'm going to do with this physical body, with these words. I'm, I'm going to, what, what, how I act, how I think, Paul is saying. Holy and pleasing to God. Offer your bodies, your whole, bot, your whole life, as a living sacrifice. Um, holy and pleasing to God. I I thought about that, my life as a holy sacrifice. How many of you feel holy? This is the word, hagios, holy, physically pure, moral, blameless, devoted, consecrated. And the question is, how can we be holy? Anybody feel really holy? None of us are all those things. So how... Can Paul say, offer your bodies, your whole life, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God? Anybody here physically pure, moral, completely moral, blameless, completely devoted, consecrated? Anybody here? 
So how are you to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice that's holy? How do you do that? Go back to the beginning where it says, in view of the mercies of God. Go back to the beginning where it says God moves first. How do you become holy? How, do you, how can you have your living body, your living sacrifice, your body as a holy? Well, Hebrews 10 tells us we've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus. His body makes my body offered to him holy. The body of Jesus once for all. And verse 14 says, For by one sacrifice he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So it's, I, I make you holy and I am making you holy. At one moment, I, I'm not relying on myself. You and I are not blameless. You and I are not perfect. But I rely on what his mercy and his grace does in me. And so when I offer my body and everything that's in it and everything's coming out of it to him as a living sacrifice what i am doing is i am i'll make i am saying jesus i'm not holy but can you make this this thing that's my life holy can you make it special and precious and pure and and something that is completely dedicated and consecrated and devoted to you can you make that happen? And the answer from God is? Yes. Yeah. How can we be pleasing? Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. We know that we just learned that we can offer it and then Jesus makes us holy and then pleasing. You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about um, pleasing sacrifice. The aroma, being an aroma, pleasing to the Lord. In Leviticus, it talks about that. It talks about Noah offering a sacrifice that was pleasing to the Lord. And, and I thought about that. What, what, is, what is it? Is it, um, is it the smell that God likes? What is it that's pleasing about a sacrifice? Is it like God goes, <sighs> you know, I just love burning lamb. Or I love the smell when humans are on fire. For living, you know, we're on fire for God. He goes, yeah, love that smell. Have you ever put your hand on the stove and smelt like barbecue? I've done that. Ephesians 5.2 says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant or as an aroma offering and a sacrifice to God. There is actually this, this this giving himself up. This is what pleases God. When we acknowledge what he's done for us, his mercy and his grace, and our response to his is that I'm so overwhelmed by the love that you have for me and what you've done for me that I'm now just going to lay what I have down at your feet and say, it's yours. In the same way that Jesus laid down his life and said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he said, you know, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, but yours be done. It's this whole laying down of your rights, and it's laying down of who you are, and saying, God, this is for you. But the writer of Hebrews also talks about, so there's this laying downness that, that is pleasing to God. The, the second thing is that 
He, um, the writer of Hebrews talks about the sacrifice that, that um, was made by Abel and Cain and he refers to an old story. It's a bit of a strange story where Abel offers a lamb, Cain offers grain, but the, the offering of Abel is considered to be good and the offering of Cain is considered to be bad. And we go, why? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us, by faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, um, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. See, um, the difference between, I think, Abel and faith wasn't the, the kind of offering, although I think there is a big story behind that, which I don't have time to talk about today. But the bottom line is, is that the writer of Hebrews is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recognised that Abel approached the offering with a spirit of faith that said, I want to do this for you. This is not about me. If you go back to that story, you'll find that was the difference. One was reflecting on what God had done in the past and wanted to do it again. And one was saying, I'll just do this. And there's the difference between offering God something that he wants versus what offering God something that you want to give him. Have you ever done that? It's kind of like, you know, we can give our offering, our, our finances. I will do this. I'll do this little thing. I will do this kind of effort here because I know that will make God happy. Whereas really a true, true heart response is, Lord, what is it? Everything I have, what do you want me to do? It's that faith that says, I want to follow you. I want to give what you, it's on your heart. And I don't want to come up with my own ideas about what's going to please you and then say, well, surely you'd be happy with that. Uh, what makes our offering pleasing? Hebrews 13, 15 and 16 says, through Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. And obviously we sing songs in worship um, in church, but can I just say to you, um, when worship is confined to, to sung worship within this context, within a building on a Sunday, we have limited worship to be too small. What we're actually talking about, offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, that is what true worship is, and that's what it says at the end uh, of that passage. It talks about true worship. We're actually talking about worship here. Romans 12, verse 1, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. True worship, you can come here on a Sunday morning and you can do this. You know, my battle as a conservative Baptist person in my past was this was the, the, the distance from here to here was the furthest distance in the whole planet to travel. My hands could not have traveled further to, to actually offer my body as a living sacrifice to actually do this to God during a song because my whole perception was that I'm... Um, I don't want people to judge me over this and what will people think when I'm doing that? And God goes, I don't really care what other people think because this is towards me. But I was still thinking about people. This was the furthest distance. But let me just say to you, that was a big barrier for me to get over and some of you might experience that. Listen, if you're offering your body as a living sacrifice, this is just the beginning. Get over yourself. This is just the beginning. It's laying down everything. This is nothing. 
if this, if this is the ultimate expression of worship, boy, have we got a long way to go. What happens if you don't do this regularly? Let's say you come to church. You know, the stats are that the average Christian goes to church after COVID once a month. And if this is the only time we worship, if the average Christian's only doing that once a month, we're in big trouble as a church, right? By the way, I think it's a really bad stat because what it's saying is, is that the church is in this building at 9.30 or 9 o'clock and this is church. And that the average believer goes to church once. Goes to church? Really? There's so much more. But wait, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. The fruit of our lips is more than singing people. We heard stories of people, the fruit of their lips was them giving glory to God, telling stories about what God has done for them, sharing with people um, things that they're responding to their conversation. The fruit of the lips is saying, but there's more. People, God loves you. You know, the stories we heard this morning, fruit of the lips, fruit of the lips, the way you speak to others, the way you encourage them, the fruit of the lips gives glory to God. And then Paul says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, holy and pleasing to God. So ultimately, our worship translates into actions. Our heart, our head, our heart, our hands. But God captures our head and our hearts, and then he's got our hands. How am I going? So conformed or transformed. Uh, this is, so we've, we've established the first verse 1 of chapter 12 of Romans is talking about, in view of the mercies of God, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Just think about that. Um, let me just, just tell you a personal story just to just show you how this works in, in practice. We might leave it at this. Let's see how we go. Um, Michelle and I were talking about this as we travelled. Is that okay to share this story? Um, so we sold our house. Uh, we were led by God to sell our house to my daughter and my son-in-law. So we are now living in the back of the house that we once owned in a kind of a granny as we Almost Michelle turned, Michelle turned fifty nine, and we turned uh, we turned grandpa and grandpa or Grammy and Poppy this year, so we are we are technically living in a granny flat, <coughs> uh, officially. Um, so we we have a, a bedroom and a living area, and we've we've really minimised and reduced our our life down. We love it; it's just awesome. And we sold our house, and we're paying rent to our to our our kids, and we wanted to invest the money into some kind of investment, probably, you know, investment property. And guess what happened straight after we uh, sold our house? <laughs> we went on realestate.com over the last month or so, and there are houses being sold in Woodridge for just under $500,000, and that's entry level. $500,000. Two years ago, the same house would have sold, if you're lucky, for three hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand. dollars In that time, price has gone up. And we're, we're like you, Wendy. We're going, 
And you know, we were talking about this morning and what the Lord just brought to our hearts, he said, what are you afraid of? And we, were, and we talked about it. We were afraid of not having enough in retirement. And we were afraid that we'd missed out. And we, we had to stop. We didn't stop. We were just driving. And as we were driving, we just repented and confessed that that part of our life had been we hadn't really realised it was like subliminal, it was like subconscious, but there'd been this worry and fear that we really needed to get in the market and that investment needed to really work well because we probably may not, you know, we don't have a lot. We got into the property market when we were afford, uh, in our late 30s. We don't have a lot of equity and we're looking at our future and some of you are like this and you're worried about what's going to happen and yet we know our past and we know what God has been like and we know that God has been good and we've always had enough and he's provided more than we needed and he's allowed us to give away more than we've got and underneath here is this little voice that says you don't have enough. You need, you need and, and so there's this anxiety that's there and all of a sudden we voiced it. And we just have to realise that's the voice of the enemy in our life that's wanting us to worship it or be controlled by it. So we did this. We offered ourselves as a living sacrifice again and said, God, it's not our money, it's your money. That's living sacrifice. Not our money, your money. The money we got from the sale, that's your money. What happens next, Wendy... Wendy, Jenny, sorry, sorry, Jenny. Sorry, I said Wendy twice. Jenny, I meant. What happens next, Jenny? Whose hands is it in? God will provide, right? So you are actually able to, to hear his voice and go, and then God moved. Living sacrifice. Here's a little saying that I love to hear. God always falls. Fire always falls on sacrifice. Fire always falls on sacrifice. The call of a disciple of Jesus, at the end of his ministry, his disciples had been following him and he said, unless a seed falls and dies, it can bear no good fruit. But if it falls and dies, it will produce much fruit. There is this, unless you take up your cross and follow me, unless you're prepared to die to yourself, which is the same thing, isn't it? Just said in a different way, a living sacrifice, dying to yourself. That's our call, people. You want to be a disciple who's a disciple maker? Then Paul urges us, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Being a disciple that's completely sold out where the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace means that the things of this earth grow strangely dim and he shines bright and we live for him in light of his mercy and his grace 
and we then go, I want to offer everything to you as a living sacrifice. I want to be holy and pleasing to you because I want this, this to be my true worship to you. Not just this, this too. And by the way, this is awesome when you get the freedom of the Holy Spirit that says there's nothing I will not do. If I feel like this, I'm going to feel like this towards you, God. However, you don't have to. You can be internalized in that. What I'm saying is the whole lot is a living sacrifice, right? That's what a disciple who is making disciples has to do. You live laid down because Jesus lived laying down. You offer yourselves as a living sacrifice and then you invite Holy Spirit to fall on you. Psalm 5 talks about, in the message, um, it's like the cry in the heart of a disciple where he says, every morning I wake up and I place the pieces of my life before you and I ask fire to fall upon them. That's living sacrifice, people. It's, it's not leaving anything on the side, to the left, to the right, underneath subconscious it's bringing everything to the father and saying god it's all yours i want to live for you i want this to be my true pleasing worship roger oh michelle did you want to share something yeah i was going to get roger but you come Seven, thanks. Um, I just, I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit that um, He actually wants to minister to us this morning, and one of the uh, verses that I've been meditating on in the last few days is that, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of your people, and uh, Jill and I were having a conversation about what true worship is on Friday what true worship is, and it's, Jill's, Jill's just said this beautiful little sentence, she said, worship is more than a song, and I just was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how God is enthroned on our praises, what does that mean, does that mean that God needs our praise for us to, for him to feel really special, mm-hmm. of course not, right, he's God, but as I've meditated on that, and I've just have been sitting here thinking, all these verses are coming into my mind. But I think this place of surrender, this place of praise, is actually something that God wants to actually minister to at the moment in our hearts because every single one of us have a secret place where we wrestle and we struggle and we fear and we don't have hope. Every single one of us do because it's part of our broken humanity and these are the places that God wants to come in and pour his light into and open up a place of praise. Mm. And I think that when we allow and we actually move into praise in these secret places where we, where we go, yes, Father, mm. we praise you in the mm. places that, that, that feel dark in mm. us. We praise you. God magnifies his presence and he is released to move in power. 
But it's a strange thing that even as a believer, sometimes we keep the secret places secret from the Father. Mm. It's a delusion. It's a, it's a deception. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit is saying this morning, let's just pause. Let's just pause for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit mm. to come and even just show us yeah. what are these secret places that we, that we keep God out of. And let, let praise into these places. So perhaps actually, can we even just have a little bit of music, Russell, just so that we can just sit with the Holy Spirit. And honey, I'm going to hand this back to you, but just let the Holy Spirit come. Enter into that place because God is enthroned in that, places, in that place. That's the place where the Lion of Judah can come and redeem and renew and change and transform and bring us into liberty and freedom. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wants to do. Yeah. That's great, Shell.